Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Wow. That, that song just nailed me between the eyes. And I also felt like God was saying, hi, hi, son. I also felt like God was saying, you know, he doesn't owe us anything, but we owe him everything. We owe him everything. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't know how to segue from such a solemn and uh, glorious time in worship to terrible jokes, so I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so we're just going to do some jokes. So here's some jokes. What, what do you do? The guy says, I, I race cars. And she replies, well, how many races do you win? Oh, not, I, don't ra- I don't win any. The cars are so much faster than me. What kind of exercise do lazy people do? Diddly squats. That's my favorite kind of squat. And you may have noticed a theme. It's kind of exercise related to my jokes. So the last one, if you eat cake fast enough, your Fitbit will think that you're jogging. Uh. Well, last week we talked about when Moses was at Meribah and the Israelites were complaining because they had no water. And so Moses sought the Lord and he found direction from God and he followed that direction from God. And water came from the rock and everyone was happy, right? The application was to trust God, to remember that only God is God, to seek unity, to remember the callings and the giftings that God has placed on our lives. And to not complain as it distances us from God. This week we're talking about Moses at Meribah again. This is part two. But this is a different time and a different place. We'll be heading to Numbers 20 if you have your Bibles along and you want to follow along with us. Um, But Numbers 20. So remember from last week that Meribah means arguing. It means arguing. And the Israelites weren't known for always just cheerfully doing whatever was asked by them from God or from Moses. And so that's why we have more than one Meribah. This record of Moses at Meribah is not in the south by the desert of sin that, uh, or the wilderness of sin for the the first time that we read about in Exodus 17. This is in the north in the desert or wilderness of Zin. And so it's, it's pretty easy to get these two kind of confused and maybe even to think, is this really one account that they just messed up recording? No, it's actually two different accounts because one was at the beginning of their wilderness journey and one was right at the end. And so we have the Israelites complaining from the south to the north, from the beginning all the way to the end of their time in the wilderness And so I can imagine Moses being a little tired of all this grumbling and complaining. Uh, Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is so rich. It is so full of lessons for us, of wisdom for us, direction for us. And Lord, as we open up your word today, We pray, Lord God, that not only would this be a general leading for us as a church, but Lord, would you speak to each of us as individuals? Would you show us specifically 
how we can apply this word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, you've probably made your way to Numbers 20 by now. So let's read starting at verse 1. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with the livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates. They, I don't know. They could go on and on. No, no cars, no internet. Oh my goodness, this is terrible. And no water for us to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there. And I will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Now this is where he doesn't necessarily listen. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Aaron, sorry, then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock had their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Last verse, this place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing. Because there, there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. So this happened at Kadesh. So let me tell you a little bit about Kadesh. The Israelites had been here before. In fact, they'd been here a few times. They'd stayed here uh, a number of days, many days, the Bible says. And considering that they were wandering the, around the wilderness for 40 years, that might have even been years that they, cumulatively, that they'd been at Kadesh. So some of the significant moments that happened at Kadesh were they were camped at Kadesh when they sent out the 12 spies to go and take a look and to find out what the promised land actually looked like. They stayed there, and so they were still in Kadesh 40 days later when those spies came back. And 10 of those spies said, uh-uh, there's no way we can get that promised land. They were in Kadesh, and they were camped there still when some of the Israelites decided, you know what, we're going to go take that promised land. We're going to go take what's ours. God said it's ours, we're going to go take it. So against God's will and against Moses' pleading, they left and they went and they attacked those living in the, in the promised land. And 
if you don't know that account, they were, they were significantly beat and uh, they had to retreat. Today, now we read in Kadesh that it's also a place of strife. It's where Miriam died and is buried. It's where the Israelites complained again to Moses. This is not necessarily a good place for the Israelites. Now, <clears throat> I'm not supposed to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and how they cannot get past that first round of playoffs. It's a pretty sore spot in our house, so I won't talk about that. I will, however, talk about the, a, a team in the major leagues. So there's a team in the major leagues that is stuck, and they cannot win a postseason game. They have not won a postseason game since October 5th, 2004. And they've been in the playoffs since then. They just have not won. It's 18 straight games that they've lost in the postseason. Any guesses on which major league team keeps losing in the postseason? Not the Blue Jays. Come on. <laughs> no, it's the Min Minnesota Twins. The Twins have not won a postseason game since 2004. They actually hold the record for the longest postseason losing streak in all professional sports in all of North America. Not quite what you want to be known for. Some teams have the reputation for choking when it comes to the finals or the, the last few seconds. But the Twins have been choking since 2004. It doesn't look like they'll make the playoffs this year either, so they, they won't be adding to their streak this year. But just like the Twins get to the playoffs and they choke, or just like the Israelites are in Kadesh, and it's not known to be a place of victory for them. Moses remembers Miriam died there. And if you keep reading the rest of this chapter, you'll discover that once they left Kadesh this time, that very shortly after that, Moses' brother and his right-hand man, Aaron, died. And so Kadesh is not a great spot for them. We all have places in our lives where we expect to fail. We're disciplined to lose weight only to gain it back again. We're careful to stay clean and sober only to fall off the wagon. We aim to be diligent to stay pure in our thought life and only to let our guard down and fail. Or we're strict with our spending habits only to have something in the house or the car break down and deplete our savings account once again. Maybe you expect to fail when things aren't going well, maybe you're expected to fail. Maybe you expect to fail at a certain time of the week, month, or year. Maybe you have it in your head that you will never do well in a certain aspect of your life. And I think that's where the Israelites were here in Kadesh. But I want to give you some encouragement. So that's how they felt about Kadesh. And in the New Testament, there were people that said, how could anything good come from Nazareth? But Jesus may have been born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. And just like the tides changed for Nazareth, 
Tides can change in your life too. Your past does not need to dictate your future. Your history does not determine your future. Now let's take a look at verse 4 and 5. Where it says, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die all along, along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This, has, this, has no, this, uh, sorry, this land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. This generation, just like their parents that we talked about last week, just like them, they're whining, they're complaining, almost using the exact same words. They blamed Moses for their situation, which means they also looked to Moses to fix their situation, just like their parents did 40 years ago. We talked about how last week that, that they were looking to Moses to fix their problem instead of looking to God. And they're guilty of this here as well. But the valuable lesson here is that us as adults, us as mature people, we need to be careful what we are saying in the earshot of others, especially our children, but adults as well. Because when we complain about something, when we're sore about something and we complain about it, other people can pick up on that offense, and that's called a third-party offense. And those are very hard to get rid of. If you pick up a third-party offense, it's hard to forgive that person because the offense wasn't done to you. And so you don't have the grace to forgive them for it. And so we need to be careful how we speak. We need to be careful the words that we say when we're frustrated because so many people, anybody within earshot, can pick up on what we're saying, or anybody with an internet connection, if you're tweeting about it, if you're posting about it, that's you online, if you're posting about it, then someone else can pick up on your offense. And then they don't have the grace to forgive them like you do. I want to tell you a story. So we were on vacation this summer, and we had done quite a bit of driving and we were on our way home we're almost home and I had just finished my early early morning stretch of driving and so it was breakfast time the kids were just waking up we decided you know what we'll pull over here there's some grass there's some fast food restaurants let's have the kids run around we'll grab some food hit the road again in a bit so that's what we did and we enjoyed the breakfast. We had the kids run around. Only a couple scraped knees happened. And so then we loaded up into the car and hit the road again. And Kristen decided, it was her shift now, she decided, you know what? I'm going to grab another coffee. And so we pop into the drive-thru. And like a uh, wonderful Canadian that, that she is, uh, she saw somebody else also heading for the drive-thru. And so she she waited, and she just let them go ahead. And so we get behind this person, and they go, and they stop. They wait 30 seconds, then they go 10 feet and stop. I can't go 10 feet, sorry. 
and then they stop. <laughs> and then they wait 30 seconds, they go 10 feet, and stop. And we are, we had been driving for 24 hours straight. And so I wasn't really operating in the fruit of the Spirit in this moment. And so you may have heard, if you were in the vehicle, a fly on the wall, you may have heard, come on, buddy, just go. Or what are you doing? Just drive. You may may have heard that. You may have heard that. And so he stopped while we're... Well, I may or may not have said that. And then he goes and stops again, still short of the order screen. Because the problem was, this is normal behavior in a drive-thru. But there were no other cars there. Just him and us. That's it. So it was infuriating because he was on his phone trying to figure out what his friends wanted for breakfast or whatever. I don't know. Don't know. Don't care. Maybe I need forgiveness still. But I was frustrated. And as he stopped just before the order screen, and I'm really trying to be patient, I hear from the back seat, come on, buddy, hurry up. (laughs) So it doesn't take long for those around us to pick up on what we're frustrated about. They can easily get frustrated right along with us. There's a song that says, be careful little ears what you hear. You know, I think that it should more accurately say, be careful big mouths what you say. Uh, Let's go back to the Bible. So to his credit, Moses sought the Lord, much like he did 40 years ago. And I want to read those verses here. Verses 6 through 8. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there. Uh, And it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. I love how rich the language is in here. It's very specific. It says that Moses and Aaron turned away from the Israelites. They turned away from them to get away from the distractions, and they fell face down at the entrance of the tabernacle in humility, in honor, in respect of the presence of God. Now, that is a picture-perfect response to whenever we have any issues, turn away from the distractions, fall on our face before the Lord. Now, the Lord knew their situation. He remembered full well what happened 40 years ago at the other waters of Meribah. And so his response actually was quite similar, not exactly the same, though. He makes a few differences in how he responds this time. Last time, Moses was supposed to take some elders with him as he hits the rock and water would come forward. And God would be, and I don't know if you remember from last week, God was escorting them to the rock. And I will stand in front of the rock that you will hit. 
This time, this time, he's supposed to take all of Israel with him, the whole million plus people to come and to see. I don't even know how the people in the back are going to see. But he's supposed to take all the people with him to see and to witness as he's supposed to speak to the rock. Not strike the rock, but speak to the rock. And water will come gushing forth. Now, these are small changes, sure, but they are significant. I think there's a single reason for these three changes. You see, they had been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, and they were frustrated. They had also had multiple times of not following the Lord and looking to Moses to fix their problems, to save them. And so this time, I think God's really trying to get their attention. Okay, bring everybody then. Bring them all. And, and don't even touch the rock so that they won't even think that it's you at all. Just speak to it. And that way they'll know that, that I did it. That way they'll know that I'm here with them. And when they go to take the promised land, they'll have confidence. They'll know that I am with them and that I will give them a victory. And I think that's why the subtle differences between these two accounts. God wanted to boost their faith. And in verse 9, we read of how Moses responded. So Moses did as he was told, sort of. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the entire uh, Sorry, uh, then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. In the account we read last week, Moses just did what he was told. He doesn't actually even say anything. He just goes there, he hits the rock, water comes out, everyone's happy. Okay, so this time, maybe Moses had had enough. Maybe, maybe the Israelites were finally on his last nerve and he just doesn't have any more patience because he's been driving for 24 hours and he doesn't have any more patience. And he just gets frustrated and he says some things that he shouldn't. And he does things that he shouldn't. Maybe the frustrations of the last 40 years just finally came spilling out. And in the heat of the moment, instead of speaking to the rock as he was directed to by the Lord, he struck the rock twice. You know, when I was a kid and I was, dis, I was not behaving myself, it did happen, honest, uh, I would get a talking to. And that talking to also usually resulted in something being hit twice. <laughs> so, but the bigger issue here is that Moses didn't obey the Lord. Moses didn't listen to what God was saying. Moses struck the rock in anger. Moses also took glory away from God by saying, must we as in me and Aaron, must we do this to help you? He was taking the glory away from God. That was 
only God's. And now Moses, who had just come from the presence of God, was guilty, just like the Israelites were, of forgetting about God and looking to himself to solve the problems. His heart and mind were not on God. They were on himself. and They were on the Israelites. They were on all the different things the Israelites did over the last 40 years. And they were, he was frustrated. You know, I find it... I find it amazing that God is so gracious, even in this moment. While Moses disobeys, God still answers. God still delivers. Even though Moses was disobedient, water still came from that rock. God didn't have to do that, but he did anyways. Moses disobeyed, but God used him anyway. The fruit of his ministry is still there and good, even though his heart was not in it. And you know, sometimes we can get to that place where our heart's not in it, we're going through the motions, and God's still delivering. And that's never a place where we want to be. We want our hearts to be in it. We want to be obedient to the Lord, and we want to give him the glory. And we can still have that fruit sometimes in our life, but that's not the way it's designed to be. See, Moses' disobedience kept him not from ministering to others, but Moses' disobedience kept him from living the full life that God had for him. Because verse 12 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving you. Can I get the worship and the prayer teams, please? So what can we apply from this today for our lives? First of all, remember, our history does not determine our future. Your history does not determine your future. Even though we may be in a place of failure, a place where we're expected to fail, God is bigger than our histories, our addictions, our issues, our past problems. God's bigger than it all. As a believer, God is with you and the Holy Spirit is in you. And there's nothing that can stop you. Secondly, we need to be careful in what we say. Others can hear us. Others can see what we're saying and they can pick up on what we're frustrated about. And that's not what we want to do. We want to help other people walk in the fullness that God has for them as well. Third, we can't be holding on to grudges. When an offense happens, we need to just let it go. We need to let it go. Our flesh will naturally hold on to it. We'll naturally not want to let it go. We'll naturally make up excuses and reasons why we need to hold on to that offense. The natural thing to do is to hold on to that offense. The supernatural thing, the thing that God has allowed you to do is to let it go. Let it go. Finally, we need to be ready for the new things that God would have for us as individuals and us as a church, us as a community, 
and the global church. But we can't be ready for those new things if we're stuck in the past. The Israelites were talking about the glory days back in Egypt as slaves. Of course they weren't glory days. They're looking at them with rose-colored glasses. And we can do that too. We can be guilty of that as well. Looking to the past and thinking, oh, those were the best days. The best day is the one you have in the moment. Make the most of it. Don't be stuck in Egypt as the Israelites were. Don't be stuck in Meribah and in the wilderness and in the offenses like Moses was. Don't get stuck there, but move on to the promised land, to the promises God has for you. His great and precious promises. Yes, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I've never seen him do the same thing in the same way twice. You'll notice in the Gospels, Jesus never heals in the same way twice. Are we stuck in our old ways of doing things? Are we able to follow a new movement of God? Are we able to trust in God fully and completely, regardless of what he says? Even if he asks us something to do something so crazy, so bold as to speak to a rock for water to come out of it. Are we able to do that? Do we trust God enough to do that? And when we're able to, it's then that we'll be in the promises that we read about in Scripture. The Israelites were wandering around in the desert and in the wilderness as free people, but they were stuck in Egypt. We all have our Egypt to overcome. Have you overcome your Egypt? Have you overcome your Meribah? Have you let go of the past and are you ready to move on to the future that God has for you? You know, and sometimes the past is good. The things in the past were good. I don't, like they had pomegranates and figs in Egypt. Sure, those are good things and they didn't have them now. But we can't, you can't live in the past. We need to live in the present as much as we can and for the future. God has a promised land for you, but we can't get there. And we're stuck in Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all of your great and precious promises. Thank you, Lord God, that you have provided a way through the wilderness. You provided a way out of Egypt. You delivered us from there. And you provided a way through the, our wilderness into our promised land. We thank you, Lord, that you have come to give us life and life more abundantly. You are good. And so as we step out in faith and step out of 
Egypt in our lives. We don't want to leave anything behind, Lord. In fact, you blessed the Israelites as they left. So I pray a blessing over each and every one of us as we leave our Egypts as well. Lord, help us to never look back. Thank you so much for today that your mercies are new every single morning. And that just like you give us new mercies, Lord God, we have new mercies to extend to others. Help us to forgive as you forgive. Help us to love as you love. Lord, help us to be obedient, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then I'd love to help you do that today. It's three easy steps. Recognize you're not perfect. Not a single one of us are. I, I told you a story about how I'm not perfect, and I could tell you one probably from this morning as well. Not a single one of us is perfect, but Jesus is. He lived that perfect, sinless life so that we can recognize that He is that perfect sacrifice for us and to receive Jesus as that perfect sacrifice for our sins. And the third step is to relinquish control of your life. Now that's probably the hardest one because our flesh likes to hold on to things. We gotta let go and let God have control. And so if you wanna do that today, I would love to speak with you and everyone else please just leave me alone but if you want to know how to walk with Jesus how to start your journey with Jesus I'd love to speak with you and help you on your journey with Jesus to live for him today and every day uh, we're going to close in a song and then you'll be dismissed If you need prayer for any reason, these wonderful people would love to pray with you. Why don't you stand as we finish this last song. And if you need prayer for any reason, we'd love to pray with you. That's one of the reasons why we gather together, because we love to pray for people.
you give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Parents, you're dismissed to go and get your children that are in Sunday school classes. You know, I just want to encourage you. I, I really do feel that, that God has extra freedom, extra grace for us today to, to move and to, to live out in those things that God had us talk about and learn about today. And I think that's true of every Sunday. Whenever you hear about something, what God is active in that. And so I want to encourage you, if you need prayer for anything, please come forward. But if you had something rise up in you, and, and you felt like, man, I just, there's that one thing in my life I need to be free of. That's part of your Egypt. And we'd love to pray with you to see that stay in Egypt and not follow you into the promised land that God has for you. So thank you so much for coming today. Please come forward if you'd like prayer. We'd love to pray a blessing over you as you go. Have yourself a wonderful week. God bless you. There is coffee out in the foyer. Go meet a new friend. Go meet an old friend. Have a great week. God bless you.